Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. I had a conversation, three conversations this past week um, that you don't know about. One is Teresa. Y'all all know Teresa. Thanks, sir. Uh, y'all all know Teresa. Teresa is our bookkeeper here at the church. She does an outstanding job. She is a numbers girl. Um, I'm kind of a numbers guy, but she knows math, so it makes a big difference. And um, she called me and she said, Steve, we're, we got to get this done. She works at the Hope Center. And she said, we got to get this done. If we don't get this by, she said, like, 1st of July, then we're not going to have the Hope Center by the end of the year. I hang up the phone because I didn't know what to say. I was like, I'm doing what I can do. And uh, then Jeremy calls me. Jeremy is the international director for Hope Center Ministry. He oversees all the Hope Centers. He calls me, and he said, Steve, um, as you know, we opened Hope Center OKC, which is right over in Edmond. And if, you've not, if you're not aware of that, you ought to check it out. God did a miracle there. They can house 25 guys. They're at capacity. They've only been open like three months. They're at capacity. And Jeremy called me and he said, Steve, we've got a problem. I said, what's up? He said, Hope Center's full. I got a waiting list. And I said, well, that's too bad. I hate to hear that. And he said, you don't understand, do you? And I said, understand what? And he said, I'm literally having families call me saying, my son or my husband or my dad is addicted to drugs and I'm having to tell them, leave the needle in their arm tell them to keep taking the drugs because I can't help them. I got nowhere to send them. I'm completely full. He said, Steve, we got to get this done. I said, well, what are we going to do, man? I'm doing everything. We've only been raising money since January, which is pretty good, by the way. And so I get off the phone and I call Josh Hanna, who's the president of Hope Center, and I said, can you help me? Anything you can do. Give me some ideas. He didn't have any. Uh, so we walk in this morning and during worship, we get word that we've received a $25,000 anonymous gift. Yeah, that's good. So now we're just $6,000 short, so I make the announcement. Uh, we also, in addition to that, received a matching gift that if we could raise the $3,000 in service, they would match it to bring us up to the six. And so I just said, we're going to take up an offering right now for Hope Center. And the last total I got was somewhere around $6,500, $7,500 came in in the offering just for Hope Center. We didn't even need the matching gift. So God is good. And so I got, yeah, I got to text Josh and Jeremy and Teresa and say, we're done. Find us a house. What are you waiting on? Find us a house. So hopefully by the end of December, we're going to have a Hope Center in full effect. And it, you say, well, why do you tell us that? Because it just proves. If God can do that, then he can do whatever you need. You need to be healed? Well, why not? If you need salvation in your family, why not? If you need financial breakthrough in your own life, emotional healing in your own life, relation, well, why not? If he can do that? In one service, then why not? So God is good. God is good. I didn't even get to preach first service, so I, I think I'm going to attempt it um, this service. Just stay right there. Can, will you do me a favor? Will you stay there? I sound holy when you play. I can say all kinds of stuff. I know it gets tired. Are you tired? Don't lie. Are you tired? Okay, she's not tired. If you get tired, you can stop, all right? And you can stop if it's like, if I'm, not really doing, if I'm not doing a good job, you can just stop. Say, I don't want any part of that. Just, he's on his own, okay? All right, so, uh, so we've been talking about, uh, y'all, man, y'all give what's happening here. God, we're having, like, we were supposed to have a one-day revival next Sunday, and God just bumped it up a week. I don't know. God can do whatever he wants to. If you've been missing, you've just been missing. God is doing something here. God is doing a miracle 
here at Passion. I'm excited, and I think it's I think it's uh, I think it's part of because of what we've been dealing with. We did we did slugfest, get back into the fight, and God just spoke to us. We stayed in it a long time, and then God gave me this word about cancel culture, and we've been dealing with this. And I just think God uh, is doing something. Julie and I've been talking. Teresa mentioned this a couple weeks ago. She said, "I really think God is doing something in us, so that it gets us ready." For these guys that are going to come in and their families. Because if we don't have any life in us, then how can we help them? So just hang on. God's doing some good things this morning. Amen. In this, in this season. We've been, okay, you can stop now or I'll keep, okay, I'll keep, I'll keep just ranting and raving. So we've been talking about this thing called cancel culture. It's not new. Uh, cancel culture is this concept of boycotting. It's just a new version of boycotting. Uh, it's mainly online, and a lot of it is legit. Like, they, uh, th this online movement has been using the pressure of social media and regular media to put pressure to stop things that should be stopped, like sexual abuse or racism. And so they, they've been going after all kinds of things, and uh, there are moments it kind of gets crazy and it goes off the rails. That's why Mr. Bean, y'all remember Mr. Bean? He, he's like, y'all don't know who, okay, some of y'all. Mr. Bean's this comedian. He's not, uh, he's all right. Uh, He's kind of goofy, but he was right when he said that this, this cancel culture is like a medieval mob, a digital medieval mob roaming the streets trying to find the next target to burn. That's the best quote ever. He, he nailed it. That's what it's been like. So they've gone after some crazy stuff like uh, here are some of the recent targets. Um, J.K. Rowling, the author, they've gone after businesses like MyPillow.com. I don't know. Anybody have a MyPillow? I've got one. It's all right. It's, it's a pillow. All right. Uh, athletes like Drew Brees. They've gone after him. They've gone after uh, fairy tales like Snow White uh, just because of different things that happened. In, in, and, and so there have been moments where because of all that, it feels like the movement has lost some credibility. And I've been challenging you that as believers, maybe we need to stop just a moment and maybe there is a version of cancel culture we should participate in. And you look at me the same way every week and then I have to convince you, all right, because I know. So turn in your Bible. Uh, to Luke chapter 22, I'm going to read to you this account. You know this account, but I want us to revisit this morning. Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 33, and then we'll read verse 34, and then we'll jump forward. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. Um, or you will deny three times that you even know me. Now down in verse uh, 54. So they arrested him, being Jesus, and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a, a distance. And the guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. And a servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. And finally she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not. Uh, about an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he's a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. One version says that he said it with a curse. He tries to fit in. He tries to talk their language. And he says, I am not one of them. I don't even know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Listen to what happens. And Peter left the courtyard 
weeping bitterly. And now in John chapter 21, verse 3, just one sentence here says this, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Um, this is an account that most of you are very familiar with, but I would also submit to you this morning that this is an account that many of you have already lived. And if you haven't already lived it, maybe you're living it now. Notice, if you will, that Peter is resolved. He's uh, filled with boldness and passion, determination. He's made up his mind that, that, Jesus, you're the one that they say you are. I have a belief. You remember, it's Peter that says who he is. When Jesus says, who do men say that I am? It's Peter that gets a gumption up to, to get it right. You're Christ, the son of the living God. He, he's got it figured out. You're the one. So now Peter's determined, I'm with you, man. I, I'm with you to the end. I'll go to prison for you. I will die for you. I am your ride or die. I, I, I'm in, I'm all in. Hook, line, and sinker, I will never turn on you. In fact, I think maybe on the spot, Peter got uh, eloquent and began to write the hymn. I know he didn't, but let me use my imagination. I think maybe he penned this old hymn that we used to sing called, uh, uh, I, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Though none go with me. No, oh, yeah, I still, I'll follow. No turning back, no turning back. Only one problem, one problem is, is that uh, Peter's mouth uh, wrote a check that his actions couldn't cash. Uh, you do remember that what happens is that, that confronted by this um, little girl, his resolve falls and fizzles into full-blown denial. You do remember that he couldn't come through. He literally denies Jesus just like Jesus said he would. He, he lives up to that prophetic word, and he, he denies Jesus. And so now uh, he comes to this, uh, this moment, and he, he says, you know what? In John, he says, I'm going fishing. It, it seems like this impromptu fishing trip. I, for one, like to fish a little bit, so it doesn't seem so sinister in its concept. I'm going to go fishing. I need a break. I need a day off. I'm going to go fishing. But, but, but the truth is, is that this decision to go back to fishing was a devastating moment in Peter's life because you do recognize that by saying, I'm going fishing, Peter was backtracking. In a very literal sense, Peter was making this statement. With, with his statement, I'm going fishing, Peter was literally making this statement. Everything that's happened to me over the last three and a half years no longer matters. He's literally making a statement, a declaration, I'm going fishing. He's literally saying, none of the miracles matter. None of the lessons that you taught me matter. None of the promises that you made me matter. None of the, none of the inspiration, the impartation, none of that stuff matters anymore because of what's happened. And so I'm out. I'm going fishing. It wasn't an impromptu, just innocent little trip. It was sinister. It was backtracking. It was backing up. And in this moment, what we discover is this, this lesson from Peter's life that we must also le learn right now is this, is that we must cancel regret. I, I want you to notice that, in, that the enemy uses Peter's regret to get him to go back to his comfort zone and his former way of life. You need to understand this morning that the enemy will use regret and he can allow, this is, what, this is how the enemy works. He takes regret and he allows it and morphs it into glue to keep you bound in seasons that God is already through with. 
That, that's literally what regret does. The, see, the problem is, is this, is that, that, that if we don't cancel regret, then we constantly revisit things that we cannot revise. I don't know, maybe this doesn't happen to you, but, but this is how the enemy uses regret in my life. When I begin to regret things I've done, things I've said, actions I've taken, it's almost like a videotape. Some of y'all old enough to remember VCRs. I know some of y'all are like, what's a VCR? I don't have a clue. It's this thing you stuck it in. They're like kids put sandwiches in them and stuff. And, but, but, it, but it played this tape. And I, the enemy works in my life like this. If I'm not careful, he uses regret to cause me to go back and revisit things that I cannot do anything about. I can play it over and over in my mind. I can think about the words I said. I can think about the actions I took. I can think about the moments that I wished I could change. But the truth is, is that those moments are over and I cannot revisit them anymore. And the enemy takes those things and he tries to cause those things to trap us so now we lose the language of faith. We always know you're operating in, the, in a season of regret because in a season of regret, you no longer use the language of faith because now you quit talking about what God can do and you begin to talk about things that he could do. God could have done this. He should have done this. He, if he would have done this, then my life would be different and the outcome would have changed and now we no longer talk the language of faith, which is this, God can do anything. God can, can turn it around. God can bring back the opportunity. God can give me another chance. God can still fulfill my destiny. God can still fulfill his promises. That's the language of faith. We lose the language of faith when we begin to regret. I want you to see if I, see if I can get this maybe down into to where you live because like Peter, the truth is we all fail. The truth is, is that we, we, we all say words that we don't live. We all take actions that we wish we, sh we hadn't have taken. We, the, 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 the truth is we make promises that we don't keep. That's the truth. But, but we, we, we make resolutions. Anybody make any resolutions this year that only lasted like one day before the ink ever dried? You, you, were, you were already past it and forgotten. You'd forgotten you'd made the resolution. I, would, I wasn't going to eat that, but I drove by Krispy Kreme and the light was on. What do you expect, man? I just signed the contract that I wasn't going to eat it all year long. And then they flashed the light, and it's like a God thing. It was like a light came on. And, I, yeah, and so we buckle under the pressure. And so regret becomes our constant companion. And so then... You can't become who you should become because of who you once were. So it works like this. Some of you in this room can't be the parent that God's called you to be because of the parent you used to be. And you can't get past being the parent you used to be so that you can become the parent you could be. And some of you can't become the spouse that you should be because you can't get over the spouse that you once were. And some of you can't be the friend that God has called you to be because you can't get over being, over, over being the friend that you once were. You can't become the man that God has called you to become, destined you to become because you can't get over the man that you once were. Some of you ladies can't get over the, 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 who you were, and so now you can't become. It's the regret. It's just eating away at your life. Regret. We must cancel Regret. If, if we don't, we end up back at our old fishing grounds. 
We pick back up our old attitudes. We pick up our old, our old words. We pick up our old mentality, our old habits. And, and so, so, like, so like Peter, we, we, we go right back to fishing. And what we discover is that the enemy used Peter's regret to stagnate his life, but Jesus used Peter's regret to educate his life. You do know that there are two denial, two betrayal stories in the New Testament, right? You do know that there are two disciples that betrayed Jesus, right? It's not just Peter. There was another one. We spent our attention on Peter, but there was another one. Do you remember? Judas. Judas uh, denied Jesus. Judas betrays Jesus. Do you remember? I want you to notice because the two disciples, they're both disciples. They've both seen the miracles. They've both seen everything that Jesus has done. They've all both heard the lessons, but I want you to notice literally what takes place when you put regret in the right hands and in the wrong hands because when you put your regret in the enemy's hands he causes you like Judas to forfeit your future but if you could pick up that same regret and put it in Jesus's hands when Peter places the regrets in Jesus's hands it focuses his future it's different we must place our regret in the hands of Jesus, right? So, so, so the angels in the in the tomb they inform uh, they, they they inform these these ladies. These ladies show up at, at Jesus's tomb looking for Jesus. They can't find him, and the angels are there, and they make this statement. You know the statement in Mark chapter sixteen, verse seven. They give instructions to the disciples that are in the tomb, and they say to them, "Go back." And here's what he says: He says, "Go back and tell his disciples." including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. In other words, Jesus is handling Peter's regret and includes him. Wait a minute. You're including me in the group? I still have a place in the group? I'm still part of the chosen ones. Even though I betrayed you, I can still be a part of the, 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 the team. You've got room for me at the table. You're still going to give me entrance into this, this relationship. I failed you. I betrayed you. I said things I didn't mean, but you still have place for me. I betrayed you, but you still have a place for me. I drank too much, but you still have a place for me. I did too many drugs, but you still have a place for me. I slept around, but you still have a place for me. And he handles Peter's regret. In one statement, go and tell the disciples and Peter. And then he shows up on the seashore and what he's teaching us. And if you don't get anything else I say this morning, would you please get this? You need to understand this is that grace isn't just about sin. It's about your conscience. Uh, see, I, we don't even understand this truth, so we don't even get excited about it in the house of God. I, I, if I said, you know what, grace is greater than all your sin. That's an old hymn, too. We don't sing anymore. Grace, I don't know why I feel like some old hymns bubbling up in me. Y'all are lucky I can't sing. I'd be breaking off some old hymns right now. But grace is greater than all my sin. I can talk about that. I can talk about the fact that Jesus' blood can save you from your sin. And we get all excited, and we should. But we don't know the lesson of grace. Because grace isn't just for your sin. It's for your memory. You say, well, you can't prove that. Yes, I can. Let me, let me help you. In, in Hebrews chapter 9, the, the writer begins to talk about the old methods of sacrifice. You know the old methods in the Old Testament? where they offered sacrifices of bulls and goats. You remember why? Come on, Bible scholars, you remember why they did it, right? They did it because that was the way that they, uh, they secured salvation or forgiveness of the nation of Israel's sins. Remember? 
So the writer comes along in Hebrews chapter 9, and he lets us in on a little secret, though. There's a problem. Here's the problem. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 9. For the gifts and sacrifice that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the conscience of the people who bring them. Well, great. I'm thankful that my sins are forgiven. I sacrificed the bull, the goat. The only problem is, is although my sins are forgiven, now I have to live with the memory and the shame and the regret and the feeling bad, and it's going to disqualify me from doing what God has called me to be, be the man that he's called me to be, because I did it and I can't get over it. That was the problem with the old system. But then the writer goes on in the same chapter. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13, and he lets us in on this life-changing, regret-canceling statement. Listen to what the writer says. He says, under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. If we would ever come to an understanding of grace, that Jesus' blood on the cross, yes, was a sacrifice for our sins, but it went beyond just our sins into our memory, and it produces redemption, restoration, redemption of this idea, this, this idea of making everything like it once was. It's like making everything new. It's like canceling all my debts so that now I walk back in just as as if I had justified, just as if I had never sinned. It's like it never even happened. And so now when we get up and we talk about that God's memories like this, he cast it into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. And we get all excited. He can't remember my sins. He can't remember what I did on Friday night. He can't remember what I did with so-and-so. He can't remember when I lied. He can't remember when I stole. He can't remember when I cheated. The only problem is, is we can. And so we walk around saved and ashamed and saved and filled with regret. And we never graduate into becoming who we are to become because we are filled with regret. See, some of us have received grace for our sin. But now it is time to receive grace for our regret. See, what happened in Peter's life needs to take place in our life, and it is simply this, is we come to, into this relationship with Jesus, and we receive grace from Jesus, and in turn, here it is, we give grace to ourselves. Some of y'all good at saying, Jesus, thank you for saving my sins, but you won't give yourself a break, and you can't forget what you said, you can't forget what you did. And I just need to help you this morning to understand that we must learn that if we receive grace from Jesus and if we'll give grace to ourselves and we will cancel our regret, then we can have an experience that is mentioned in the Old Testament that I think is perfect for us. We can have the experience of Joseph. 
Oh, I don't have time, so let me just let me give you the Reader's Digest version, all right? We're going to clip, we're going to clip out of this test, so I'm just going to give you the short version. Y'all remember Joseph, right? Joseph was the preferred son. You do remember that he was like dad's pet, like none, none of the other brothers really liked him very much because dad always preferred him. Dad even gave him a special coat. It was probably like parachute pants back in the day. I don't, it was made out of that kind of material. It was slick, man. It was, it was like on point. They, they didn't like him very much, and so they sell their own brother in to slavery and he ends up in prison 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 not like not like resort prison 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 like in the dungeon forgotten and the, the pharaoh has a dream joseph comes along and interprets the dream gets it right the pharaoh turns the entire nation over to him all the food all the supplies because there's a famine coming y'all remember all that i know y'all y'all bible scholars i know you sleep late on sunday morning but y'all the bible scholars in the crowd i know y'all are you were probably at home reading your Bible this morning. You weren't sleeping in. You know, the, you know the account, but did you remember that in Genesis chapter 41, before the brothers come to see him, wait a minute, these brothers that sold him into slavery, before they ever get to Egypt because there's a famine in the land, before they ever asked for his forgiveness, before things were ever made right, before relationship was restored, because it would be different if God's grace was only good when somebody owned up to what they've done to you. But, but, but here's another example. Peter made his mistake. Joseph didn't make his mistake. Somebody made a mistake against him, betrayed him. And in Genesis chapter 41, the Bible says that long before the brothers ever get there, long before relationship is restored, that Joseph has a son, has two sons actually, but one of his sons, he names Manasseh. Come on, Bible scholars, do you remember what the name Manasseh means? I, I got the blanks. It means because God has made me forget all my trouble. It means that God has made me forget all my trouble. One more time. It means that God has made me forget what it was like to be a teenager and make mistakes when I would run to the altar and say, Jesus, I'll live my life for you the rest of my life, and then next week make a mistake that I was ashamed of. It means that when I'm not the parent that I should be, that God has the ability to step in and deal with my regrets so that what I once was is not who I am now. It means when I speak to my children like I shouldn't speak to my children and I'm filled with regret and shame, I don't have to live in bondage to what I said 15 years ago, that God can make me forget all my trouble. It means that when I made a mistake with my finances that now I'm ashamed of, that God can step in and if I'll give him all my regret, he can bring Bring me to this place where I can give birth to this season in my life where God forgets, helps me forget all my trouble. I don't know what you need to forget this morning, but some of y'all have done some stuff you're ashamed of. Some of you came to an altar and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, and you got forgiveness of your sin, but you've never been able to deal with the regret of your life, and it's keeping you in bondage. And what, what is happening here in Peter's life when Jesus meets him on the seashore and what happens in Joseph's life when he has this son is this. It cancels regret and teaches them a lesson. You can move on. You can move on. 
That's where we've got to get this morning. We need to cancel regret and move on. That means this, that, 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 that you can move on from your failure. It means you can move on from your slip. It means you can move on from your words. It means you can move on from the divorce. It means you can move on from your bankruptcy. It means you can move on from the funeral. You can move on from everything that you regret. You can move on. You can move on. And allow grace to work on you so that you can have more than just forgiveness through sin. So I'm in the old hymn mode today. So we used to sing this song. And it says, it says this, marvelous grace. Come on, Catherine. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin. See, we sung this stuff. We just didn't get it. We sang, it's grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Our conscience. We sung it. We just didn't get it. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured. There where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace. Grace. God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace. Grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Some of you just need to move on today. You're forgiven of your sin, but has your regret been canceled? Your regret has caused you to live in bondage for too long. And you can keep revisiting it all you want to, but you can't revise it. But God can wipe it away and give you a Joseph moment. Father, I pray in Jesus' name this morning that you would interrupt us, teach us that we don't have to go on fishing when we could be flourishing back to what we used to be back into what was comfortable to us back into what we once were God I cancel regret in my life and in the lives of every person under the sound of my voice Father for every one of us this morning that's sitting here and we have forgiveness of sin but we're still trapped by guilt and shame and regret the things that we did the things that we said, the things that we thought, they keep us bound. But in this moment right now, I pray that we would offload not only our sin, but we would offload the regret of our life. And you would help us to have a Joseph moment where we can no longer remember our pain. cancel the movie that plays about the moment that we're ready to step up into our destiny and we're about to, to, to accomplish everything that you've called us to accomplish the movie plays I pray that you would interrupt the movie cancel the movie right now once and for all and father I pray that this morning what you would do is you would apply grace to our conscience so that we can remember without pain and we can remember without shame and we can remember that you turned it all around and that's not who we are now. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed if you're here this morning. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.